Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, when people say, seem to always try to make money off a of tragedy. It's, a, it's unfortunately a, the way of the world. Well, they'll try to make money off from anything. Hmm. What's interesting, though, is that uh, while the left doesn't like to talk about the Dayton shooter, they love to talk about the El Paso shooter because he was a racist. And nobody quibbles much about that. The only thing is, what kind of philosophy is racism? I mean, Adolf Hitler was a racist and a socialist, and that was completely coherent in the sense that both of them are collectivist philosophies. They don't give a damn about you or anybody else's individuals. They care about people only as members of groups. You know, what race are you? What uh, social class are you? Uh, what sexual preference are you? So you can be put into a shoebox and can be made to behave by like all the people in that shoebox. But you're not to be viewed as an individual. Uh, on the other hand, right, American right-wingism, which is quite different from European right-wingism, uh, is basically conserving a revolutionary tradition, the tradition of the American Revolution. And it is a, made, a heavily individualist philosophy. It doesn't really care very much what group you belong to. It cares mainly about you as an individual person seeking your own individual uh, dream, whatever that may be. Oh. So what we have is a guy, in, in even in El Paso, the shooter who was called right wing, in fact, believed in uh, hunting people down based on their group, ideally, and he was doing so in the name of radical environmentalism, like the Unabomber. Hmm. In, other words, in other words, he was really leftist all the way across, just as Hitler was. You know, my question always to these guys is, why didn't they get a job and, and just uh, raise a family? Well, he apparently would have found that boring, but of course, in the case of the Dayton shooter, one of the people he was seeking out to kill was his sister and her boyfriend, which I guess he did in that. So he may have had all kinds of strange uh, tendencies. Who knows what his feelings were toward his sister? He's now dead. We, uh, we really can't ask him. Mm. But he was apparently pretty screwed up in the head. Well, and this, and this, is what, this is what I find interesting about people on the left. You know, they say we should be tearing down the statues of Confederate soldiers who supposedly were slave owners 150 years ago. But the problem is, as leftists, they want to make you and me into slaves today. Well, therefore, who is the greater danger, the, the guy who died 150 years ago who was a slave owner, or the guy who was an aspiring slave owner to, trying to enslave you and me right now? Boy, we have a really new take. Keep on going. Uh, you sound very interesting. And I mean that well, sincerely. I mean, I mean, these are just simple obvious thoughts, but uh, we, we have a really strange planet. I, I suppose to be fair, I shouldn't limit this to the left because we have another group that claims to be capitalist, but in fact they're giant corporations. If they pledge allegiance to any flag at all, it's their own corporate flag. Uh, 
for example, just today in the Wall Street Journal, we learned of Fidelity Investments, which has now begun issuing places where it advertises a blacklist of words that it does not want to appear in the headline of any ad on the same page where its ad appears. In other words, it wants basically to censor the publication. And among the things it does not want on the same page with its ads, there are 400 different words they exclude, including bomb, immigration, racism, oh, and Trump. You cannot use the name of the President of the United States on the same page as their ads, which is kind of interesting. But then we do live in a country where we may be the only country on earth where it is illegal for you to sing the national anthem at an airport. That is the national anthem with those words like bombs bursting in air and rockets red glare. You mention those words at an airport, you can be hauled off to jail. It's a strange place we live, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I used to have someone who worked for me that once said, the world would be a dull place if it wasn't for people. Well, that's true. Yeah. There, are all, there are all kinds of, of uh, different kinds of dullness, though. As a, as we a, want a certain amount of tranquility from <laughs> the people around us, ideally. But instead, we get, you know, like the next Democrat debate, we're going to have a special new treat. A guy named Tom Steyer has apparently you know, by now bought his way into the debate. He is a multi-billionaire guy who made his money as a hedge fund manager. In the olden days, uh, wealthy people like that just wanted us to have the best government money could buy, which means they would go around and they'd buy the politicians who would then make fools of themselves on stage. But they would act like good, loyal puppets to the people who gave them money. Uh, in the meanwhile, though, Tom Steyer wants to be on the stage himself, but he made all of his money as a hedge fund manager from buying and selling coal, coal mines, and private for-profit prisons, three things that the Democratic Party says it hates. So. It's going to be rather fun to see how his egomania mania, mania plays out in presidential debates for the Democratic Party. But he's really all gung-ho with the idea that, look at me, you know. So he will be uh, a great addition to the next debates of the party. But haven't you, but haven't you also hit on something? That's, this seems to be a now world where all, everybody wants to say, look at me. Uh, of course. Isn't that sad? It is. Well, well, actually, you know, there's nothing wrong with selfishness as long as you're a self-realized self. I mean, if you have a high enough consciousness, high enough spirituality, uh, then what you're doing, what you're acting as an example of could be good. The problem is these people who have a very small, very narrow image of themselves and their ego and the problem with Steyer is he's the kind of guy who wants everyone else to bow down to him. Mm -hmm. So that's the difficulty we get into. I mean, this is what concerns me, that, as I said, we're now worried about people who want to tear down Confederate statues that are 150 years old. 
from people who were slave owners way back then, but we ignore the people who think they should be running our lives right now, that they should have total control over us. And I don't know how they get that much egomania. I mean, I don't want to rule anybody. I just want to keep people from ruling me. Uh, I'm going to jump in here because uh, you were an uh, editor at, at um, uh, Science Magazine. I'm sorry? Well, I was editor at a lot of places, but for 15 years at Reader's Digest, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, I thought I heard a different one. Okay. But uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, the government of, of India has closed down the Internet um, uh, in Kashmir. Uh, and people are really uh, suffering from it. But, but what I see happening uh, is, is that science is giving governments more and more opportunity to control uh, our, our lives. What do you say to that? Well, I mean, the choice we were given with the founding of this country was that the people would be big as long as the government stayed small. But government has an endless ambition to itself be big. And the bigger government gets, the smaller we get. I mean, that's where, that's where they get their power from us, by taking it from us in money, in, in ability to do things, and so on. So nowadays, we have a government that essentially isn't even elected anymore. We have a government basically of bureaucracy. For every law made by the Congress that we elect, for instance, we have 11 laws that are made by the bureaucrats because they can just decide on a rule. Oh, we think your house might have an endangered species living within 50 miles of it, so you are no longer able to do anything with your property, that kind of thing. And uh, I find that rather destructive in the long run. I think I would much rather have a lot of people, each with their own little dream, if you want to call it that, than have Hillary Clinton, for instance, demanding that you and I sacrifice our entire lives building a pyramid to her glory. You know? IQ, don't you want to jump in here? I'm listening to very same human beings. unusual these days. By the um, way, yeah, the Antifa are the brown shirts of the Democrat Party. Because Hitler, as you said yourself, was a national socialist. The Nazis Antifa, were the national socialist Neo-Marxist group in Europe, yeah. Yeah. So when they say Hitler was right-wing is a lie. Hitler was 100% left-wing. What, what separated Hitler's version of socialism from Stalin's, Stalin's was universal for the whole world. Hitler was for his nation, for the German people. But I love what you're saying about everything that you mentioned, because everything in America today looks like, especially the Democrat Party, as if the inmates are running the show. And the 20 people or 21 people who are putting themselves to be president of the United States of America I wouldn't put them to run a kindergarten. What do you think? They are an amazing group, aren't they? Elizabeth Warren, who pretended to be a Native American, who collected millions of dollars from Harvard University 
by claiming to be a Native American, holding down a professoriate seat that was intended to be given to a Native American. She's never given back a penny of the more than $9 million she made by lying. Uh, and now she wants to be president. She wants to be able, I'm just using her as a typical example of a successful Democrat today. She's one of the front runners. Uh, she wants to have a tax on wealth. It wasn't enough to tax people's income. If they were able to save anything out of their income, she wants to come back again and take that from them too. And then she wants to confiscate half of it or more when they die on top of that, even though taxes have been paid on it. Uh, that, that's a wonderful thing. She wants to issue, require that every major corporation have a government charter. And what the charter means is they have to be spending money as the politicians want them to spend the money on various radical activist groups and so on uh, that are highly politicized, that are not individualized. They're supposed to pay more attention to what she calls stakeholders than shareholders with the company. And that means basically that the companies become totally politicized down the line of whatever the ruling political majority wants. Uh, I find that more than a little destructive. Uh, and yet, ironically, Elizabeth Warren claims to be a capitalist, but she means capitalism not in the laissez-faire free market sense. She means capitalism in the German or French dirigiste capitalism, where government controls everything the capitalists can do and how they can spend their money. And therefore, it's a very different kind of capitalism from the ideal here in the United States, but that's what our companies are becoming. Anyway, they, they are being basically turned into crony capitalists. If you want to, This is why Donald Trump was such an interesting choice by the American people as president. He was, by his upbringing, a crony capitalist in the sense that to get anything built, if he needed a new building, if he needed a building permit, whatever, you have to do all kinds of bribing of the politicians at all levels in a place like New York City. And so he's quite accustomed to playing the games needed. Of course, we talk about Trump's horrible behavior years ago. We forget that until 2009, Donald Trump was a Democrat. He's only been a Republican there for, for what, 10 years total. Before the, and Ronald Reagan, by the way, was a Democrat, too. There's a wonderful story about Ronald Reagan, by the way, in this conjunction. That is, one day, NBC sent a film crew to the White House. They were going to have a meeting of the leaders of both political parties. And they sat around the table and chatted, and nothing ultimately came from it. There was really no story to report. And so the politicians left, and the, the reporters were sitting there scratching their heads, saying, we were assigned to, to pay for all this film to shoot this meeting, and we got nothing. What did we find from this meeting? And then suddenly one of them realized that everybody around the table had a pad of paper that they'd left. And every pad of paper the politicians had doodled on. And he said, I wonder if the doodles are different. And as he went around, he found that every Republican around the table had made little concentric uh, geometric shapes 
like squares inside squares, circles inside circles, or what have you. And every Democrat had made pictures of human faces or animals, dogs, horses, whatever. But they doodled very differently, the two parties, with one exception. And that was when they came to Ronald Reagan's place and they looked at his doodles, he drew human faces and animals. He doodled exactly like a Democrat. And that, in a sense, is what Donald Trump is. I mean, he is a business person, but he's had the experience of being both a Republican and a Democrat. And he doesn't particularly like either of them. And so it's a rather interesting thing to watch his presidency unfold as he tries to negotiate with a huge unelected government of bureaucrats and journalists and and uh, basically Clinton and, and Obama-appointed judges who negate everything he does. But he is trying very hard to uh, pull something out of this that may be constructive. But can I jump it's in gonna, here? It's going to be hard. He has much, virtually the whole system against him. Uh, I'm jumping in only because you bring it up. And across my desk just came from the Wall Street Journal President Trump is exploring the idea of, bu of buying Greenland. Buying Greenland. Buying the, the country, the, the continent, or whatever, the landmass of Greenland. I kid you not. It just, <laughs> I'm, again, it just came across my desk. I'm sitting here. Uh, it will purchase. Uh, let me go to the rest of the story. I just... Eyes a, a new real estate purchase, Greenland. In conversation with AIDS, the president has, with various degrees of seriousness, floated, floated the, uh, the idea of buying the autonomous Danish territory. Wow. It's an excellent idea. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not heavily occupied like Iceland by comparison. Uh, it's virtually unoccupied. Greenland was interesting because around the year oh, 1348, 1349, the graves that were being dug by the Viking settlers, and after all, Leif Erikson and so on, had sold a lot of territory in Greenland to people by telling them that it was green, that it was a great place to live, and they could farm, and they could do wonderful things. So a lot of Vikings bought into that, but suddenly, the Little Ice Age began to come on. And as, as archaeologists have looked at the graves, they find that each grave, year by year, was dug more shallowly because the ground was freezing right under them. And so they'd have to dig out through ice in order to bury somebody through permafrost. And uh, that's just how fragile the land was. Of course, now, the global warming theorists all tell us that there must be some secret underground river or something causing Greenland to melt rapidly. But whether or not it's melting is a very interesting question. Certainly Antarctica is not really melting. Uh, but Greenland is a very unique and strange place in the world. I've flown over it. I've never actually landed. In uh, actually, I've been there, but... Uh, uh... Uh, and there, there are parts of it that are actually, to my way of thinking, beautiful. But anyway, please continue. And, and it was the land of the unicorn, remember? Mm. That is, people in Europe 
did purchase some of these very, very valuable unicorn horns. <laughs> they were perfectly straight and several feet long. It turned out they came from narwhals. Mm-hmm. They didn't really come from unicorns, but that's that's where these inexplicable things that Europeans were so fascinated with, that were their proof that unicorns really existed. They all came from whales that were around Greenland. Well, uh, anyway, um, the Wall Street Journal saw fit to run the story, and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, you you wonder sometimes, you know, A, would the Danes sell it, but B, would, would Greenland rather be with the United States or with Dan- uh, Denmark, or would they like to be independent? They've uh, uh, always expressed the idea that they don't want to be independent because they got all these su- subsidies. Uh, from uh, Denmark, so uh, it's interesting time. I, I I just brought it up only because it just it just came across my my uh, computer. But it's a good exactly, idea to buy it. What exactly he sees in it? I mean, there's a lot of reason to buy Iceland. I mean, the theory is Iceland is one of the most energy-rich places in the world because of all the geothermal energy they have there. The only problem would be how do you export it? Do you microwave beam it out on microwave beams, or do you put under, underwater cables to move it out, or what? But Greenland, I don't know that it has anything quite that valuable, but I could be wrong. But Greenland is a gigantic mass. It is really immense in size, and it's worth it every penny to take it, not only for strategic reasons, but also for future. You never know what you find under the ice. We never know what kind of wealth there is under the ice. So then, so then the question is, if you can buy it cheap enough, buy everything. <laughs> you know, because uh, well, you can you can well, get your value back out of it. But that, so it's a matter of what they want to sell Greenland for, and what uh, the president sees it used for. Certainly, it would buy a lot of you'd be buy a lot of cocktail ice. <laughs> I, well, I remember. I remember once I was at an international conference on iceberg utilization. I was delivering a paper there. And my wife turns on the Today Show, and she sees me staggering across the party that people were holding because we were all being served drinks out of the ice. I mean, with real iceberg ice on the drinks. And I had to say to her, honey, you have to understand that ice was coming from icebergs that were tens of thousands of years old, icebergs that could contain dangerous frozen germs that no human being has immunity to anymore. And so I did the only rational thing to protect the human race. I thoroughly doused that ice in alcohol. Excellent <laughs> <laughs> idea. That's the best answer I've ever heard. I am a humanist. <laughs> the best answer I've heard in a long time for why I drink. Very good. Um, but um, uh, I couldn't resist bringing it up. But uh, let's go on. Oh, that's, that's, that's an amazing story. It's, it's in the Wall Street Journal. And of all the newspapers in America today, I think it's the one that comes closest to the old standards. It's slipping a little bit, but it's there. In my view. Yeah, I remember one of the uh, one of the op-ed pieces I most loved of mine ran in the Wall Street Journal. 
and that was the recognition that if if we if the Republicans are confronted with Democrats saying we want hate crime laws to punish people who are doing more and more things, like those who hate gays, those who hate transsexuals, whatever, Republicans should say to them, we will be happy to agree with you and go along with that and sign on to it if you will add just one additional hate crime to the law for us. We would like it made a hate crime to hate the rich. We would like it made a hate crime for any act of hate or speech of hate based on class. You notice that's the one kind of hate the Democrats always ignore and don't allow to happen because that's their favorite hate. I mean, imagine if no Democrat politician or no Democrat labor union leader could say, let's get the rich. Let's soak them. Let's take everything they have. Let's take their wealth and share it with you. Uh, isn't that a hate crime just like any other? That was my argument in the Wall Street Journal. And by the way, my favorite line in my article was, you've probably noticed that, I mean, who can say that wealth is not genetic? After all, doesn't wealth run in families? <laughs> what a great line. Uh, yes, but so that that's the kind of Wall Street Journal writing I used to do, but... Uh, it is wonderful. I, I mean, the Wall Street Journal isn't quite as bifurcated as it used to be, but it still is, in that the editorial pages are basically modified conservative libertarian. Oh, they they want to allow tons of illegal immigration and so on. But they're basically right-wing, whereas all the rest of the newspaper was kind of middleweight Democrat, because the Democrats were usually running the Congress, and reporters, therefore, had to be able to talk to them in a friendly way. And so the reporting pages tended to be liberal. The editorial pages tended to be conservative. I'm, I'm, you're absolutely right. I'm trying to remember the reporter that said, when you buy the Wall Street Journal, you get two papers, one on the editorial page and the other in the uh, uh, the news pages. And I think he was very right. I'm trying to remember who it is, but I can't. Yeah, so of course the challenge with illegal immigration, uh, I would have no problem with it at all except for one thing, and that is the welfare state. If we just provided that uh, nobody coming across the border willy-nilly could reach their hand into your pocket and mine and take our money just by digging into government services, that would be fine. Let them come. Let them contribute. Isn't let that them, what uh, just... a wonderful life for themselves. But isn't that what just President Trump just uh, proposed? Yes, that's exactly uh, what he proposed. Well, he's never actually proposed doing away with the welfare state altogether. All no, no, but, uh, but he's saying that you can get a green card, but you can't have the benefits? Isn't well, that that's the way it always used to be. I mean, it used to be that you had to have a sponsor to come to the United States, mm -hmm. and that sponsor guaranteed to provide for needs so you didn't have to tap into the taxpayer's dollar for the first five or ten years. Uh, the problem is now we have 55% of the illegals who come into the U.S. immediately go on welfare. 
Mm-hmm. And by the time they've been here 10 to 20 years, it's something like 65% of them are on welfare. So they become a net drain on the society, at least in the short run. But then our problem is we're not reproducing. Our problem is sperm count has fallen by 60% in the last uh, oh, 15, 20 years. That our, uh, our reproductive rate is now down around 1.84, whereas it needs to be 2.1 just to maintain our population where it is. In other words, like Europe, we are demographically doomed if that continues. The Europeans are trying to deal with it by importing people from the Middle East. We're trying to deal with it by importing people from Latin America. And one way or another, somebody is going to have to pay the bills to let the Generation X and the Millennials and so on retire with their Social Security. And since it's all a Ponzi scheme, that means we have to have somebody working and paying in current dollars to make the system work. Boy, you sure do look at things differently. Yeah, but it's realistic. By the way, the white races, what we're talking about really are white races at 1.8 birth rate. You're talking yeah. about Latin Americans? No, no. The white races in Europe are doomed because, as you said, they're not producing enough. Oh, oh, they absolutely are, yes. And the same thing in America. You are suffering exactly the same thing. Many of the white people in America are not having three, four, five children, while Arabs, Muslims, and Latin Americans can have five, six, seven, eight children. Yeah, in, in, Europe, the, in, in Europe, the average uh, Muslim family has about 3.6 children. So they are indeed maintaining a reproductive uh, positive. They will eventually win by making love, not war there. Uh, in the United States, as Latin Americans flood into the country. Remember, we're already a highly mixed society. I mean, I grew up in Southern California speaking bad Spanish. So, uh, and, and, and a lot of the people coming from Latin America, remember, are still under the sway of Costa. They're under the sway of the idea that they are really all or part white. They believe they're descended from conquistadors. 85% of mis- are, are mestizo, meaning they're a mixture of white and native peoples. I guess what they hate most about Cuba is that Cuba, by and large, doesn't have that mixture. Because when the Spanish settled Cuba, the very first thing they did was kill off the native population, man, woman, and child, kill them all. Uh, and as a result, they are simply Africans who were brought in to do the work as slaves and whites. That's Cuba. What I found endearing in the time I spent down there for the LA Times reporting on Cuba was to notice that everyone who is actually in a position of real power in Cuba is white. Black people are not included in the power mix there significantly at all. Uh, Not only that, but the fellow who was overthrown there, what was his name, Fulgencio Batista, he was a mulatto. He was effectively black. And he was a socialist. So Lily White Fidel Castro actually overthrew a black socialist heading the government of Cuba 
in order to put himself and his lily-white government in power. I wonder why the socialists don't talk about that more. I can say it's the same thing in Nicaragua. I would, I would think that's probably true. Yeah, but but there is this idea that uh, in Latin America there is the great tradition of the native woman lying with Cortez and so on, and producing the new race, the new people, and uh, and this is Costa. I mean, they wanted to pit for, for for more than a century. They were busy picking rulers who could claim to have a great deal of white heritage in Latin America. Of course, then there was Simon Bolivar, who uh, finally left Venezuela, despaired of the revolution in South America, sailed to Spain to live out the rest of his life, and among his departing words were, with the revolution, we have plowed the seas. We have accomplished nothing. We have just replaced one uh, dictatorship with another. With all the information you have, what do you think about Islam? About Hitler? Islam. Well, well he, he was part of the great progressive movement, wasn't he? The movement that began with the Romantics and that was dedicated to doing away with any conventional idea of God that human beings were now going to create heaven on earth through some kind of collective socialist vision, that they were going to create a new Eden, that science was going to solve all of our problems, that we were going to be marvelously equal if only we allowed a little narrow elite of superior beings to rule all of us and tell us what to do and how to think, most of whom would be scientists, of course. Uh, and unfortunately, our science has become totally politicized. Our well, uh, Lowell, we, we've got Lowell Ponty with us today. He joins us live, along with IQ Rizzoli and, of course, our good friend, Mr. Donald Bazella. Um, Lowell, what, what do you think of Islam and, uh, and, and, and its effect on the world and things like that? Islam? Yes. That's an interesting question, especially to ask a black Muslim, because I was looking up the, uh, the list that you can find, out of all places, Wikipedia, on famous slave owners in history. And what's interesting is Plato, who wrote The Republic and is the founding father of, of historic socialism, the Greek philosopher, owned slaves. Uh, an amazing array of people owned slaves, not only Robert E. Lee on the Confederate side, but also Ulysses S. Grant on the Union side. Both of them owned slaves. Um, so what do we think of that unfoldment? Well, one of the most prominent and influential slave owners in history was the, was the Prophet Muhammad. I mean, slavery is still practiced today in East Africa in great extent. Uh, when slave traders went to Africa, they didn't go intending to capture Africans and bring them back to be slaves in Brazil or the United States or wherever. They went to the slave trading ports where Africans had already been enslaved by their fellow Africans and were now up for sale. 
And almost all of the fellow Africans who were selling uh, slaves in those ports were Muslims. So how anyone could be of the nation of Islam today thinking they were doing something much more advanced than Christianity strikes me as rather interesting. I mean, they are honoring the very religion and people who enslaved their ancestors. But, but, the but then, black. African, -American, African Americans are busy voting for the party of the slave owner, the party of the Ku Klux Klan, the party of lynchings and cross burnings, the party of Bull Connor and Jim Crow. I mean, that's what the Democratic Party is. It's always been the party of racism in this country. So why any black would ever vote Democrat is just insane. Well, keep going. Uh, RQ, don't you want to jump in here? Well, really, the amount of information he has is immense. And it's all accurate. There's nothing to say. I know more about Islam than most people in the, on planet Earth. I'm not bragging, that's a fact. But he already said it. The big slave owner was Muhammad. And the most, the, the only, the, the greatest slave industry in human history were by Muslims and Arabs. By Arabs and Muslims. They are the ones, because the white people didn't go into the heart of Africa to capture African slaves. It was the blacks who did it. It was the Arabs who did it. The, the information that I gathered in all my study, 140 million Africans were slaughtered or decimated or starved to death, so that 14 million of them would be sold to the Americans. Only 5% of whom ended up in what we call the USA. 140 well, million. Well, I mean, much of human history has been a charnel house and a horror, if we're to be honest about it. Uh, what troubles me is that rather than and they are so concerned, especially on the left, about people who were slave owners 150 years ago, but they are trying to enslave you and me right now. Absolutely. They want to return us to feudalism, to slavery, to serfdom. They want to return us to being under total government control, which means the control of a little narrow elite of people like them. And frankly, I think that's a severe form of mental illness. To understand how mentally ill the left is, you need only look at the number of Hollywood actors and others who have called for killing Donald Trump. I mean, these people are just steeped in violence and hatred. Yeah, they're 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 say, why, why, for example, do we ever let these left-wing Hollywood actors or other leftists ever have a gun? If anyone is insane and should be prevented from getting a gun, it would be anyone on the left. <laughs> we are exactly on the same page. Don, James, and myself, and you, same page. You, you know, I, I have co-authored seven books with Craig Smith, who you see every week on with Neil Cavuto on Fox Business. Our latest book is called Money, Morality, and the Machine, and the good news is you and anyone else listening can get a copy of this book. You don't have to pay $20 to Jeff Bezos and Amazon. You can get it absolutely free and postpaid. It will not cost you a penny just by calling 800-630-1492, like the year Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It's 800-630-1492. 
1492. Oh, I apologize. Columbus is also politically incorrect and a slave owner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, when Elizabeth Warren says she wants to impose 10,000 new taxes on you and me, at what level of taxation does that become slavery? I would say certainly at 50% taxation. That's what uh, Muhammad did, by the way. We're, we're well above 50% in this country now because you're, you have to pay a whole lot of hidden taxes. You know, when you buy something from... The, the left tells you, oh, we're going to tax those evil capitalists and not you. The problem is everything you need to buy, you buy from those evil capitalists who pass on those taxes to you in the form of higher prices. So you wind up paying the taxes. And, uh, and therefore, it's really uh, not a, a terribly wonderful situation to have Elizabeth Warren and company running society. They are the new slave owners. They are the new uh, enslavers. Couldn't agree with you more. You, you, I don't know about you, uh, Jiggy and IQ. You, this is a very interesting guest. We should have him again. Yes. You really? Yeah. Yeah. You should come again. I'm not kidding you. Now, uh, now, Lowell, how, how do we get your book? How do you get the book? Yes. Yes. Promote that See, one you more just time, dial my that friend. Toll free number eight hundred six three zero fourteen ninety two. Now, why do we do that? That's because, frankly, Craig Smith and I care about our children and grandchildren. You know, right now, if we keep going the way we're going, we will have to follow the current rich person's formula. And that is, you teach your children to speak Spanish, and you teach your grandchildren to speak Chinese. Because that's the way the future is going. Uh, that is not a particularly bright future for humankind. And therefore, we show people how they're being duped, how they're being tricked, how you're being manipulated, how money is being stolen from you, and so on, and how you can fight back against it. We've written seven books so far that do that. And, uh, oh, including, I almost forgot, down here in my stack of things, a few books back, I, we did one called We Have Seen the Future and It Looks Like Baltimore. <laughs> what a... And we wrote that. We wrote that in 2015, uh, because Baltimore was the perfect city as a symbol of what happens when you start with the American dream and you wind up with the progressive left-wing dream instead, the progressive nightmare. Uh, that's when you wind up with rats everywhere, filth all over the streets, the highest murder rate in America, the highest heroin use in America, and so on per capita. Uh, that's where the left leads, because it doesn't respect you as an individual. It just wants you to vote for them once every two or four years, and that's it. By the way, uh, Baltimore is interesting because uh, not that long ago, 60 years or so, there was a mayor called Big Tommy D'Alessandro. Big Tommy D'Alessandro was a Democrat boss in a, a Democrat boss city. A machine city uh, and he had a daughter who was about eight years old and he would put her on the telephone anytime anyone called for a government favor and his eight-year-old daughter was trained to say to them what you want a building permit well here's what you have to do for us 
<laughs> that That's daughter, awesome. by the way, that daughter, by the way, is the woman you know today as Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. She grew up <laughs> daughter of the boss mayor of Baltimore. Uh, that's where she learned power politics. That's where she learned the kind of evil, cynical politics she practices constantly. Um, she is the embodiment, one of the many embodiments of evil in the modern world for us. But uh, she's certainly better than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, By the way, yeah. did, you notice, did you notice a few days ago they, they came up with mathematical totals on how much money the different candidates have been raising for the uh, 2020 election. And they found that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has, in her district, and her district includes a good deal of the Bronx and Brooklyn, a hell of a lot of people in her district. She has donors, actually, in her district that number 10 people. Only 10 people support her financially. All the money she gets, and she is the heaviest raising young Democrat out there, all the millions she gets come from outside her district, meaning that she's owned by forces outside her district. Makes you proud to be an American, doesn't it? The best government money can buy. Well, uh, b before, before we let you go, Don Mazzella, how, how do we get a hold of you and everything? Oh, donmazella.com, uh, 2sbdigest.com, a hashtag 2sbdigest, and of course the National Robotics Education Foundation, which is really close to my heart and which we're, we're really trying to help the uh, nation's youth. Those are the four things you can find me. And uh, IQ, uh, before we let you go, how do we get a hold of you online and everything? Just Google my name, Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-R. By the way, this was a fantastic talk show. Yes, yes, very good show today with Lowell. Lowell, we appreciate it, my friend. We will talk to you soon. And uh, Don, uh, we will talk to you next week. Okay, and again, if you want a free book, 800-630-1492. Yes. If you want to contact me, Radio Right, R-A-D-I-O-R-I-T-H-T, at AOL.com. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. Have yourself a wonderful day. There they go. Lowell Ponte and, of course, Don Mazzella and IQL Rizzoli. And that wraps it up here. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.